This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in the party room of my apartment building with a wonderful guest. He is a voice actor, a stage actor, a podcaster, a host, and many more wonderful nouns. It's James Arnold Taylor. <laughs> Man, I feel so important now. <laughs> I didn't know. The pressure is on. <laughs> I used to start uh, the podcast by saying, in an awesome person. And a lot of people yeah. are like, that's too much pressure. Stop saying that. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm not. I'm not. No. <laughs> a lot of people say that. You, it's always fun to try to describe all of the different things that people do with just sort of the nouns. Because yeah. Because do so many different things. Uh, and it's become a really interesting way to start the podcast by yeah. asking people, like, do you think of yourself as all those different nouns or do you have an umbrella noun? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because most people don't. I think most because, I, you know, I've hosted things and I'll, I'll do the same thing. You try to come up with nice ways of saying things. And I and I, when I listen to your show, too, and I hear you doing that, and, and the response is kind of across the board. People, oh, oh, no, no. No, okay. I'm not. I, I shan't be an actor. No. Yeah. Well, I guess I would, I would um, as someone inquisitive, I would ask you, <laughs> how, how would you take that? I have boiled it down to a uh, writer-comedian. Yeah. Because everything else I want to do can uh, kind of fall into those things. Yep. But I've had, a, I've had so many interests and done so many different yeah, sure. things yeah. that, uh, you know, you, you do start to get like, you start to sound like a weirdo when you're like, what do you do? Here's a paragraph. Here's a- <laughs> I'm a storyteller, a, a director. Yeah, a, you know, that's like, true. A, no, I go with a entertainer. A you know, like, <laughs> entertainer. Raconteur. Uh, yeah, entertainer. Okay. Because I guess at the end of the day, that's really what I what I do. Hopefully, is entertaining to people. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> it's entertaining to people. So you know, because voice actor now, this uh, a lot of us are trying to just say, just say we're a character actor. Because okay. the truth is, we're character actors. Because Hollywood has taken voice actor and turned it into kind of like uh, bad, you know, the the ugly stepchild, right. the black sheep, the not the not a real actor. Right. Uh, if we can get Brad Pitt. Yeah. To be the 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 animated bird, that'd then, be great. But if we have to settle for a voice actor, yeah, right, that's yeah. that's not so great. So you say, well, I'm I'm a character actor. I'm I'm an entertainer. Yeah. yeah, entertainer is a fascinating way to say it because it is reflective of the result that you want mm. in other people from what you do. Ooh, because actor is just sort of. Yeah, that, that's per- you, you're going to act at them. <laughs> entertainer <laughs> implies I that do. someone must be entertained. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. And I, and this is not puffing myself up, but I feel as though I have enough uh, on my resume to say that when people think of me, they go, he's very entertaining. Yeah. So you, that's where I came up with that conclusion. I guess. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because obviously everything you do is acting, but you've, you have hosted a lot of shows and you yeah. uh, have a, your own YouTube show and yeah. podcasting and all that the stuff. goal of all of that would be to have people be entertained. Entertained. There you go. That is great. Wow. Uh, so I did want to ask you, uh, we're going to get into the primary topic of voices in Star Wars, because you've mm-hmm. done many mm-hmm. acting in Star Wars in general. Uh, you are an amazing impressionist. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> but, I mean, it's obviously a, a huge love of yours. Yeah. Do you separate in any way the idea of doing an impression from the idea of acting, from being a character? Or are they just one and the same to you? Ooh, that you know, I love the way you asked that, because... Many times I will tell people, I'm not actually an impersonator, uh, like Jim Meskimen, who's a, a friend of mine and, and a wonderful impersonator. I'm really probably, you know, the best one out there right now. I'm a voice double. 
So okay. I double for people a lot. And, and when I do somebody's voice, usually it's because they're not available and I'm filling in for them. So hopefully you don't know the difference. Right. So in that, yeah, I do separate. There is a separation. Um, if I'm just joking around with my friends and I'm doing, you know, kind of an impression or it becomes kind of a bad impression or like Dana Carvey was great because he never did a great impression of people as far as sounding just like them. Yeah. But he did a great caricature and an impression of the embodiment of that character that the person is. Yeah, he like distilled their soul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, so I don't do that. I actually try to become them and act the way they would act and say the things because that's generally what I'm paid to do okay. most, most of the time. So there is a difference. Yeah. I like, because people would say, Oh, uh, James General Taylor is one of the impressionists. And I would always correct people and say, I'm not, I'm actually not an impression, impersonator. I'm not an impressionist. Although I love them. I was fascinated by, you know, Rich Little and uh, Frank Gorshin and all these guys that did impressions yeah. as a kid. And I wanted to do them. And I found that I could do voices and impressions. But once I became a, a professional actor, you know, getting paid for it and I was doubling people, I found, Oh, there's a, there's a wide divide between the two. Yeah. Because if I walk in doing, you know, crazy like that with Christopher Walken, you go, oh, that's a funny impression. But if I come in and I say, you know, Joseph, I really appreciate you having me on the show. It's great to be here. That's maybe how he would be if he was just calmly sitting there yeah. talking with you. And that's what I need to do most of the time. Okay. because So it is a form of acting because you're trying to match the actual... The emotion yeah. of what whatever is happening in the scene, yeah, that yeah. you're doubling. Because a lot of times when you're doubling somebody, it's new dialogue. It's not something they said, and you're just <laughs> mimicking it back or you know parroting it back. You're having to guess how would they say that. Yeah, and if you hit it right, then yeah, that requires acting skills rather than just you know doing a. Yeah. Yeah, doing like Johnny Carson for Dana Carvey's Johnny Carson. His Johnny Carson was way up here. You know, it's like that, that doesn't sound like Johnny Carson, but he's doing Johnny Carson. Yeah. And it's so. George W. Bush, right? Yeah. Like, Naganda, and, the, and, the. <laughs> and it became that. Like he wasn't even saying words anymore. Remember that? Naganda. Yeah. <laughs> so. it, it's, it, you know, there's that great quote of nobody did a George W. Bush impression. They did an impression of Dana Carvey doing it yeah. because yeah. he yeah. kind of unlocked what was absurd or funny about it right through a slight exaggeration yeah but yeah again it's like it, that that bush impression is like isn't how bush talked but it's how we received bush <laughs> as it were <laughs> sounds like a title of a book <laughs> yeah we'll leave that one alone <laughs> uh, i walked myself into that uh so you have done a, a ton of different acting a ton of different characters uh mm -hmm. but we kind of looked at all the different things that you've been doing lately what we wanted to talk about and we decided to talk about voices in star wars because you've played wow. so many Different characters, big and small, and yeah. in different venues for Star Wars. Yeah, and that title, like when you sent that to me, and I've been kind of just thinking about that, it hits you in the face when you're the person that's actually done it because I go, wow. Because, I, I mean, again, your, your listeners have to understand, I'm 50 years old. I grew, I was seven years old when Star Wars came out. Yeah. I, I have been involved in it my whole life in that regard. And to be an actor that has been so heavily involved in it, uh, by hosting events and, and celebration and Star Wars weekends and, and being so close with all of these actors that are in the films and then on the TV show and, you know, all these years of Clone Wars. It's really a weird, I mean, it is one of those things you wake up and you pinch yourself. You go, wow, I'm, I, I say that a lot and I, I'm not trying to be corny. I just go, 
I'm the luckiest guy in the world. No matter what you think of Star Wars, to have been able to be involved in this for almost two decades now, it's coming up on, you know, it's been 18 years that I've been involved in it. That's a weird thing that I'm not just one character. I, I think also... I have said as more Star Wars characters than anybody. I don't know this for a fact, but I, I think it's a fact. I have said I have a bad feeling about this more than any other actor in various – because I've said it as Plo Koon, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Lieutenant Beck. Um, I've said it as droids. I've said it as uh, just other random characters in games. So – yeah, I, I, I've said that line a lot. Yeah, that's amazing because that is there's such a Star Wars sort of like if you're in the world of Star Wars in yeah. any way, you know that's the line that gets they gotta work in, it in every every film and, yeah. and one of those things that like, oh, if anybody gets to touch Star Wars in any way, that's one of the things they'll try to throw right. in. So then you're there to say it for them. Yeah, and may the force be with you. I think I've said it as most, you know, as, certainly as Obi-Wan, certainly as Plo Koon, and I believe I even said it as Lieutenant Beck. Wow. Um which is a new a new character, which I don't know if people know about Lieutenant Beck, but uh, is that from the ride? <clears throat> yes, Rise of the Resistance. Okay, we're gonna get into that. Okay, I want to start by talking about the major thing, yeah, which is that you have uh, played Obi Wan Kenobi in the Clone Wars uh, animated shows, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the final season of Clone Wars uh, wow. is coming out very very soon. Yes. Uh, so how how are you feeling about um, your legacy as Obi Wan? What was the most challenging part of being Obi-Wan Kenobi for so many years on the Clone Wars animated show? Ooh, wow. Um, I think in the beginning stages of, of me playing Obi-Wan, it was funny, I was having lunch with Colette Sunderman. Uh, now, Colette may not be a name that people recognize, but you all, if you're a fan of James Arnold Taylor's Obi-Wan, you have Colette to thank. Okay. She's the first person to ever cast me as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and that was back in 2001 uh, for the uh, micro-series of the Clone Wars. Okay, the Gennady Tartofsky? Yeah. And uh, so I was having lunch with her, and she, you know, the first thing she says is, you're welcome, by the way. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, casting people can set the tone for somebody's whole career. I yeah. mean, it's really so. It's like, I, I guess I need to buy her more gifts. But um, it, I have been this character for so long, and the nice thing is, is how kind fans have been how accepting people have been of Clone Wars. Now, that's thanks to Dave Filoni and George Lucas and all of the folks involved of making a great show. Yeah. We got the benefit of them creating a really neat product for us to be involved in. Um, And then I just have been able to do that. But what I think what I worried about the most when I first got it was doubling. This goes back to what you're talking about with impressions and doubling. Is I needed, when they first hired me, I very much was directed to sound as much like Ewan McGregor as I could. Yeah. And then when the second uh, iteration of Clone Wars came out, the one that we all know and love now, uh, it was almost the opposite of that. Okay, you don't need to worry about sounding like Ewan. Oh, really? That was a direct direction? Yeah, yeah. Just play the character how you would play the character. Interesting. Um, and that was from Dave Filoni and George Lucas. And, you know, basically they were saying, look, he's never going to play his character again. Little did we know. Um, <laughs> and certainly Alec Guinness won't. Little did we know uh, that they would take his lines in it. Um, so it's your character. Do with it as you will. And, he, and they gave that freedom to all of us. They gave yeah. that to Matt Lanter, who did just a fantastic job of creating new layers to Anakin. So I think that's been the biggest thing is, is have I created enough newness to the character appreciation for the character 
um, through my love of the character, because I really do love this character. Yeah. Um, you have a relationship with the character going back to seven years old when he was yeah. the wise old mentor. And now yeah. here you are playing him as in his prime. Well, yeah, because, you know, and the thing is that we may have talked about this before, but he was Gandalf because there was no Lord of the Rings movies. Now, I was I was a fan of Lord of the Rings books as okay. a kid. And there was the cartoons and stuff, but Obi-Wan Kenobi was as close to Gandalf as you could get yeah. uh, at the time. And the crazy old wizard they even referred to him as. So, you know, there was a magic, you know, when I was a kid, when we didn't know everything about Star Wars like we do now, you wondered, well, what? What are his powers? What can he do? Yeah, what, you know, and then and then the next movie comes out, and the next movie, comes out. so you kind of you gain a little more understanding. But he's also he's gone by the first movie, and what happened there? Why did when the blade goes through? What happened? You know, all that stuff. So there's all this mystique uh, to the character that I grew up with, and then the prequels come out, and I mean, the first thing I was taken by was Alec, uh, Ewan McGregor playing it in a new way. Yeah. Oh, here he is as a kid almost when we first see him. And wow, this is amazing. And then a few years later, I'm asked to fill those shoes. It was really weird. Yeah. It's it's a strange thing to be involved. As a as an actor, when you get to take over a role, and I've done that for years in my career, you know, be it Spider-Man or Leonardo the Ninja Turtle or Fred Flintstone, uh, stepping in on characters, there's always a responsibility. But with Obi-Wan, it's been a greater responsibility, but there's also... I don't know, there's just been a great um, acceptance of it. So it's yeah. really thanks to the fans, I think. Yeah, I think I, I think we've talked on other places before about how much uh, people have a different relationship to Star Wars based on where they came in. Yeah. And for a lot of people, they came in to the Clone Wars animated show. Yeah. And you are Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. To them. You're, you're the beginning. <laughs> and then you go see the movies and go like, oh, <laughs> does Ewan sound enough like James Earl Taylor? <laughs> That's great. Has that That's been funny. has that been rewarding to you to hear from people at conventions and online yeah, to say I mean, you are my Obi Wan Kenobi? Daily. I mean, earlier today I was on social media just looking at things, you know, because that's what you do. You yeah. gotta keep up with this stuff. <laughs> Which is, you know, a whole argument for a whole other time. But um somebody thanking me again. Oh, thanks to James Arnold Taylor for being, you know, my Obi Wan in Clone Wars. Yeah. That's a yeah, that's a very heavy um wonderful thing because I don't take it lightly and I also understand and appreciate you know Disney and Lucasfilm also have always had it's a tough place to be to be a voice actor because we're not famous we're not on camera we're right. not associated when we go to the grocery store with this character um, and so they kind of go don't don't own it too much right you're just a voice actor you're just playing the part you're just providing a voice there's artists, there's directors, there's right. writers, there's all these other people that are part of that character. And I, I fully acknowledge that. However, I also know that I'm the one that at the end of the day, really, when I get a script, I get into that character. So it's not just because we're voice actors, we just kind of go walk in there and go, oh, yeah, blah, 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 we're going to stay a line. We're into the story. We become the character. I, I think about what was Obi-Wan's meditation times in the temple about. What, were, you yeah. know, what, was, what was his inner struggles with Anakin on a bad day? When they was just training him, what happens, you know, where he was just mourning Qui-Gon and the loss of a, a father-brother figure that he had. You yeah. Know? I mean, what was his life before this? How did he come to the Jedi Temple? All that stuff. Um, which, you know, I don't know what's canon what it isn't now out of the old novels that were written in old books and stuff. But all those things went into my preparation every time I would voice him. And yeah. still still do. Yeah. How do you feel about... 
but one of the things that I really enjoy about the Clone Wars animated series is we definitely do see big moments for yeah. uh, for Obi Wan for Anakin, but I so like being able to just see Obi Wan in particular as I'm a Jedi. Yeah, I'm a kind of a company man. Yeah, I question things sometimes, but for the most part, I'm I meditate. <laughs> I'm balanced. I do what's asked of me. Right, get grumpy, get a little sarcastic, <laughs> try to be wise, but I just go and do what's asked of me. So we kind of yeah. get to see. A little bit day to day Jedi, yeah, day to day Obi Wan. Were you aware of that? Where like there were episodes where like Obi Wan is not having any emotional catharsis. Yeah, this is just Obi Wan getting up, uh, having uh, some coffee, eating a bagel, uh, <laughs> fighting a bad guy because he has to. And uh, Anakin, don't do that. Anyway, I'm done. Yeah, no, Joseph. This, those were the moments that were the most exciting to me doing that show. Those were the things where I would like say to Dave Filoni, this is so great. This is so great. <laughs> we see him, you know, going into Anakin's room or coming out of his own or whatever. And yeah. it's just, and he's just, you know, talking to Yoda. He's at the libraries, you know, all that. Those were the day to day things as a, as a fan of Star Trek as well. We took for granted when you watch Star Trek, you take those things for granted. Right. Because the whole thing is on the ship. The yeah. whole thing is what their life Picard in his, in his little room there, you know, and all that. And that's what it was about. Yeah. And I wanted that. As a Star Wars fan, always with these characters, because we only got these little 90-minute snippets or two hours at the most yeah. of them in grave danger or doing whatever. But that was the beauty of the Clone Wars. For me, the Clone Wars was a chance to be what Star Trek had done. And again, you know, I know people are fans of both, but it's like you got to you gotta love and appreciate yeah. what Star Trek did in that was life in space, the reality in this time period. Yeah, no, I totally agree. We've been rewatching my wife and I some Star Trek uh, in, yeah. in preparation for the the Picard show Picard, that yeah. just came out, and there is there's a joy to you know the Star Wars movies that are like the adventure in the most heightened yeah. part of their lives, but then Star Trek, you're just like, well, uh, Picard might, might have an amazing adventure, or he might just have some feelings he needs to talk to Troy about, and it's <laughs> just you're just visiting these characters, and I think yeah. maybe that is why people uh, who grew up with the Clone Wars make mm -hmm. such an emotional attachment to the actors yeah. because you're the version of Obi-Wan Kenobi that they just visited every week. Yeah. In some weeks, Obi-Wan would go through massive trauma and have to cope and make major decisions. And right. other days, he'd just be like, you want me to hunt a hut? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, my day job. And that really was it. And, and you're absolutely right that that was his. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt that you're... You have a love for the character of Obi-Wan yes. Kenobi. You understand this character uh, very well. I know this on, on personal <laughs> levels because of things we've worked on, which we should talk about at some point in this. But um, those are really important as an actor to get to know those things. Those are the things that when somebody's making a movie, they go, so what is he? What, what coffee does he drink in the morning? What does he do in the morning? It's like, and we got to actually do, do those, those things. Do those things and show them. Yeah. 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 I, I wish, I personally think we probably could have done 10 more seasons of this Clone Wars and nobody would have argued with that of just telling those day-to-day -day stories. Yeah, really getting um, in there. Yeah, because yeah. they really do cherish when we really get into personal, like in a couple scenes where we see Anakin's room and he's got yeah. like a pod racer poster up. Yeah. And that's just like, that just blows everything open to make the character real and relatable. And, exactly. And I still feel like a long time ago, you know, yeah. in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. How do you feel about it uh, coming to a close with this season that's coming out? Is it is there a nice, is there a Star Wars like the circle is complete, uh, it is time to let go and move on? Or are you sort of like, I wish we could do eight more seasons? I wish we could do eight more seasons. <laughs> I really do. I, I guess because knowing, you know, you have to understand you got to go back to uh, 2005. Yeah, 2005 was when 
we started to see people forget that the show may have come out in 2008 or the film came out in 2008. But you've we had been, been working, working on it, on it wow. for two years before it was seen. Yeah. Because George had enough money and ability to just make something and then go, well, we'll figure out where it goes later. <laughs> and that's what he did. Yeah. Um, and there was, I remember there was a point where Dave, I'll never forget it. Dave came out. I've talked about it before. He came in one day and said, you know, George wants to do like 300 of these. I was like, yeah. And all of us were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, most people go, well, it's just because it's a job. It's like, no, it's because we all really were a family. I mean, I've worked on uh, countless shows and, and movies as an actor. And yet today, I no doubt will be texting with Catherine Tabor at some point or Matt Lanter or, you know, having a call with Ashley Eckstein at some point, you know, throughout the week or yeah. Dee Bradley Baker I'll run into at a session. And, and we'll, we're, we're family. Uh, and that was created because of that and because of our love of Star Wars. So I would have loved to have seen us go longer. I honestly do think that it could have even been a really smart thing for Disney to do to say, we're bringing it back. Not we're bringing it back and we're going to end it. We're bringing it back. Yeah. And let's just see how it goes. And it could have satiated those fans that are feeling left out or feeling they were prequel lovers because, again – you know, people in my generation forget that people in the generation after me have absolutely no problem with the prequels. Right. And, they and, and love grew them up and with them. Jar Jar was hilarious Jar to them no because he them. was yeah. made for them. Exactly yeah. right. And that this satisfies those folks' stories and hunger for that Star Wars. And I feel like it would have been a wise business decision to just go, well, on the animator front, we we take we handle the prequels we handle the old Star Wars through this show Clone Wars that was brought back yeah and then we've got the, our movies where we get more serious and we have our TV show spinoffs and we have all that stuff that we're telling our new stories I feel like that would have been a really great thing yeah this is bringing it to a conclusion and uh, I think that that's great as well because you know it's I always like when see, there's this theme I don't know if you talk about this I mean I listen to your show and. Um, I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard you t touch on this, but it feels so much now like TV shows are about like Lost created this whole thing of like there needs to be a great mystery. Yeah. And then we need to go through the whole thing so we can binge watch and find out what the real story is. When I grew up back in my day, Joseph, <laughs> when I grew up watching shows, each week was just a new adventure. Yeah. Because you just liked these characters. You want to spend time with them. And that's really what they became. They became comfort food for your soul of that of just, you know, so if it was a a show about a detective each week, there might've been some running themes that happened throughout yeah. his life that we got to know the Rockford files or whatever. We knew where his life was, but each week it was just a different story. Yeah. Nowadays it's not, it's like each piece connects to the next part of the puzzle that does this so we can get an answer by the end of the season. And then they go, Oh, it's a hit. Now we got to come up with another season <laughs> or we need to come up with a new a mystery. Bigger, yeah. And that gets a little tiring to me. Yeah, I, I want balance. I think yeah. about this a lot because I, you know, growing up with some of those shows, they yeah. were comfort food in some ways, but then I had that desire for, ooh, what if every episode was connected? What if yeah, something that happens in one mystery? Point. And and I got that because now that's most entertainment. <laughs> and now I'm swinging back to the pendulum of like, could we have yeah. both? Uh, yeah. Because I would like that. And like when Solo came out, and I mm -hmm. really love Solo. A lot of people told me I didn't see it because uh, was it narratively important? Was it another chapter? Did I need to see it in order to yeah. understand what happened in the next Star Wars movie? Yeah. And 
just for me that that loss culturally of it's a cool adventure with Han effing solo <laughs> Chewbacca and Lando. Why don't you want yeah. I want I do want us to value again in it just an adventure. Yeah. That is being told to get back to the top of the podcast for entertainment. Right. Or maybe that one adventure is about something really, really specific and it has a, a clear idea to it. Yeah. But I don't want everything to be about Every piece of art, every piece of entertainment have to be a piece of a puzzle. Yes. That's that's perfectly put. Because, again, I enjoy those stories sometimes, too. There's there's plenty of shows that come out and you go, oh, it's it's eight episodes and you binge watch it and then it's done. And that's great. Yeah. Because it's just they're they're telling a longer movie. You know, yeah, that's the beauty a of. book on television with yeah, chapters. Which, yeah. I love that. There's a lot of great shows that did that. Um, but it, it really is. I think that was George's intention, too, with a lot of it and certainly with yeah. Clone Wars he loved telling those stories of the droids like the, the goofball ones yeah. you know of just the R2 and 3PO off on an adventure and just kind of because it was like you know it was like Twilight Zone or or you know these this serialized just, adventure yeah, yeah. Just, just fun stuff that happens in a day in the life of those characters that, that I think they could have done that forever with Clone Wars I really yeah. do uh, I wish they would but they won't <laughs> and, and they're going to end it and it's going to be great and people are going to be very happy about it I'm not I, again I'm in no way bad mouthing it because uh, obvious reasons <laughs> do, but also because I know what they were trying to do I I think it would have been great to ultimately we were probably going to do like eight seasons okay so this is a, the final version is a little condensed yeah. for the amount of stories that had been planned yeah I'm really happy for Dave Filoni to be able to close the books on it for yeah. him, for his peace of mind, because waking up, you know, living Star Wars for well over a decade and telling these stories and being so committed to it. And then he had to kind of take what we were going to do, which had already been recorded, which was already written and already done in season seven. Wow. Um, before season six even came out, because that's what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, we were so ahead because, again, you have to be to for it, animation, right? And because we had started two years earlier than it ever came. <laughs> so we were always about. A year and a half ahead. Wow. Um, which made it just impossible to talk. You know, people would interview you and you'd be like, I don't know. I like, like Obi-Wan. Is Darth Maul back or not? <laughs> yeah, I can't I, remember I, yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just, and, and Tarkin coming back. It was yeah. like, no, we can't, I can't, I can't, can't say, say that. that. So um, I like that he's able to put it to a close. And I also will say that in doing the, because we didn't voice a lot for this. We, re we really didn't do it. Because a lot of it had been recorded already, been recorded. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he took a lot of what he wanted to do in Clone Wars and put it into Rebels. Okay. So then he had to kind of go backwards and go, okay, I already put that in Rebels. I already had that. So uh, Ahsoka and Anakin already had their big moment in yeah. Rebels. So, well, okay, you know, now we got to do this and that and, you know. So it is an interesting uh, storyline for him and I'm interested to see how he wraps it all up. Yeah. But I also know from the time I spent with him over these last few months, you know, doing new dialogue, how he's like committed to the fans. Yeah. I, I hope this like, like people I need to appreciate the shoes that J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson or anybody that's making a Star Wars film is in, in that they've got, so, it's like they know now with social media, they've got to fulfill this or else somebody's going to be upset. Yeah. It's like a, most of us don't wake up every day 
and have 20 people critiquing us on what we did. Yeah. I that, really yeah. don't like the way you plug that cord in, Joseph. You know, I mean, I would have done it this way. I would have, it was like, that's not how life is. But it is if you're a celebrity or if you're a writer or a creator of something yeah. big. Yeah. That's, I think, yeah. And I think there's so much, Clone Wars, there's so much love for Clone Wars. And I feel like people who, for whatever reason, it's not their bag, it's not their Star Wars, just kind of tune out. But yeah. for like the the Skywalker saga movies in particular, I've been jokingly describing them as too big to succeed. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's not even good or bad. It's just sort no. of like, ah, I, I decided to paint this room orange. And then yeah. people come in and say, you don't know how to paint. Like, no, I, I chose orange. Yeah. It's valid that you think blue is a better color, right. but I successfully painted this room. I just, I made a choice. That's all. Oh. And there's just too many people who want too many different colors of the room. There's yeah. like, yeah. Uh, you've spent so much time with Obi-Wan. I do want to yeah. ask you, um, is there at any point anything of you in, in your presentation of Obi-Wan or have you taken anything from Obi-Wan and added it to yourself? Yes, to both, I think. Let me see if I can answer that. Um, I've certainly taken to Obi-Wan throughout my own life, my own personal struggles and, and trials in my life and storyline. I have a I have a I have a a lifetime movie of a life. It's really like a Hallmark <laughs> channel. Yeah. A special event. James Arnold <laughs> Taylor's life. Uh, it really is that in uh, so many things that have happened in my life. And so Obi-Wan is that calm and that storm of my life. And people say it to me all the time. They go like, oh, you're so Obi-Wan. You know, like, because <laughs> my, my social media, my branding is I try to be a positive influence to yeah. people. I try to, you know, stay pretty neutral on a lot of things, too. I, you know, I don't talk politics. I don't really talk religion. I talk about my faith a lot on my podcast, but I just try to make it as like, this is what I am. This is yeah. not, you know, I don't, you're sharing yourself. I don't, yeah. But uh, Obi-Wan has certainly given me more of that uh, platform to kind of go with, you know, yeah. so I can say to people uh, words of wisdom and they go, well, he can get away with it because he played Obi-Wan, you know, so <laughs> there's that. Um, so you're playing the mentor. Yeah. yeah. And then as far as adding to Obi-Wan, I feel like, yeah, certainly um, my my brother, uh, the, 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 the kinship I have with Matt Lanter, uh, I really think of Matt as a brother. He is just, I just love him to pieces. He's such a great actor. He's such a great human being. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to, I feel like, kind of bring the friendship we had into the characters uh, and add another layer that we really only got to see bits of in the movies. It's only, I mean, yeah, it's, clearly, it's clearly a choice because there's more room in yeah. the prequel movies left for the conflict in the building up of Anakin's fall. That yeah. we get these brief moments of camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, but there you get so many more in the Clone Wars. Like, I think you and Matt do such a good job, even when Obi-Wan and Anakin disagree like on a minor <laughs> tactic thing of like, yeah. Obi-Wan's like, well, I think we should patiently walk two miles and go around. And, and Anakin's <laughs> like, we should blow this thing up and ride a dragon. And <laughs> and you guys play that brotherly like, yeah, yeah we, we disagree, fun. but we love each other and we know both each other's way will work. And yeah. Yeah, we were able to really play it. So I, I hope I added some of that to it. Um, and... Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I only have an older brother in life. Uh, my, my brother is five years older than me and he's a great guy and, and I, I love him to pieces. So I've never got to be the older brother. So getting to be the older oh, brother wow. is kind of fun in this. Uh, so yeah. I think I always kind of enjoyed that uh, and still do. You know, like I say, Matt and I are in, in touch quite a bit and uh, it's, it's just a neat relationship. So yeah, yeah. that's what I, I hope I brought that to. Awesome. It. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you really, um, 
your performance and you know all of the writing and storytelling of Clone Wars because we got to spend day to day time with Obi Wan. Yeah. It's certainly there in the movies, but you get to spend so much more time in it with Clone Wars. That idea of he's not like this great peaceful monk who has no emotions. Right. He gets annoyed kind of easily. He's got some <laughs> arrogance. He yeah. lets it out through snark, but at his core, he's always let's take a deep breath and mm-hmm. let's remember the big picture. Yeah. Let's go to the light because it is the light. Right. Let's be peaceful because being peaceful is good. It it, it that it's such a better message than just I'm magically peaceful. You know, it, <laughs> yeah. so for, it makes me feel really good when I am having a really bad day and I'm really angry mm-hmm. to be able to like maybe I grump, maybe I say something sarcastic, but I'm going to take a deep breath in the big picture and I'm not going to act on those feelings. Right. And that's just so powerful to me. That kind of the way you said like calm in the storm of like, yeah, I'm not denying the storm. Right. I'm not denying the storm of my emotions. Right. I'm just going to kind of sigh. Yeah, we got to do <laughs> that. Take a deep breath. You're right. We got to do that so much more. And the weird part about it is it's still based on what Ewan did. So I'm basing it off of something that he did briefly that but he never got to actually open up. Right. So I'm kind of being able to kind of take that and we're doing like the handoff in a run, you yeah. know, with the baton. <laughs> Uh, which uh, is really kind of fun. And, you know, the, I've never – people always ask, have you met Ewan McGregor? No, we've been in the same room together. We've never met. we never talked. I don't think he even knows I exist. Um, interesting, I've been watching a lot of his interviews yeah. lately because of all of the, the Kenobi yeah. show that they're talking about. And, and I mean this – I don't mean this in a negative way, but I, it's like I try to kind of remind people. If you watch him, he kind of goes, oh, yeah, yeah, Obi-Wan, yeah, I'm happy to play him again. Like – but his life was not wrapped around Star Wars no. between now and when he did it before. Like, he he doesn't think about it at all. <laughs> it's one of the many roles he's done. Yeah, it's and just another role. You know, he did random TV shows where he, you know, rode a motorcycle around continents. Right, know, like, which was great. <laughs> he's just like, hey, yeah. And I don't mean that negatively towards mm-hmm. him. I, he's he's a, an incredible actor, and that's what... But I am the one that got to kind of hold that. And, like, every single day of my life, yeah. someone says something to me about Obi-Wan. Uh, I say the words Obi-Wan Kenobi. I say the words Star Wars. I am involved in that. I, every single day for the last 18 years of my life yeah. have been that. And that's weird. Yeah. To just... um, so, yeah. It's, it's So, I like to think that uh, if we could sit down in a room and talk that he might even be able to go, so what were you thinking? when You, you know, it was like, <laughs> yeah, because I've been the keeper of that character for a long time. But yeah. I don't mean it in, in a like a oh aren't I great or or I'm better than him or I did it. I just mean it in it's just a fact. Yeah, it's a it's, weird place to be. There's so many like big things that happen to Obi Wan that add shades to the character in the Clone Wars, and I, yeah, and I, you know from the way that uh, Lucasfilm is working right now with trying to keep everything in canon. Yeah, I, I want to be a fly on the wall, you know, before <laughs> shooting starts and somebody sits Ian McGregor down and goes like, all right, so. You uh, fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out. Like, just start to <laughs> just telling play him. out all the, and you're like, oh, wow, cool. Okay, good to know. I didn't know that about Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a great yeah. point. It's yeah, a fun so. one. So you got to do Experience Kenobi from the other side. You did uh, recently a fan <laughs> film by Jamie Costa called Kenobi. Yeah. Uh, got three million views on YouTube. I know. Uh, it's not wild. Yeah, I just, uh, just watched it uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, and you play an antagonist to Kenobi. I do. So tell me a little bit about that. That was a weird, wild experience. Um, <laughs> Says Johnny Carson. Yeah, it was, it was weird and wild. <laughs> uh, so Jamie, had, so my friend James Burns had 
sent me the information about it. Oh, they're making a fan film of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Isn't this great? And so I tweeted it out and it was, they were doing a Kickstarter and I just said, you know, please support the film wherever you can, obviously. And so Jamie then connected with me and said, oh, that's so nice of you. Thanks. And then, you know, some months passed by and then he goes, we're going to make this. We thought it'd be great if you played a character in it. Would you be willing to? And I'm like, well, sure. If my schedule allows it and everything, sure. It's out in the desert in the middle of nowhere for a week. And, you know, can you do that? Wow. And that was tricky. My wife, who's my manager, had to juggle things. And, but I was like, I really want to do this, you know, and I, I read the script and I really appreciated the script. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that they had written in the script that they didn't get to do. I think if they okay. had had like, you know, maybe this much more budget and, you know, another week of time and stuff, they could have added some even cooler elements to it. But I think it was really a neat, um, moment in time yeah on the character of obi-wan kenobi it does not disrupt canon it doesn't it doesn't disrupt anything it's just beautifully done and jamie is fantastic he's great at playing obi-wan it was weird being on set being having people talking about obi-wan kenobi and having it not be me (laughs) and i kind of had to you know really put ego aside and just go okay and i imagine it's like when you're at a store you're like at target and hear somebody shout your name and you know that they're not talking to you because it's not somebody you know (laughs) but your head still turns like i've had that at target where like i'm in the toilet looking at star wars toys and somebody says joseph and i know they're talking to their child but it's like what what i'm sorry because they're using his full name (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which by the way i have to say Having always been a James and not a Jim, I love that you're Joseph oh, and not you. Joe. And that we have a better, like, I always will make it a point to be Joseph. I'm never going to, like, so it's like David Collins, who is a uh, composer and a director and a, uh, someone in the world of Star Wars that your fans may know. David yeah. hosts a lot of things and stuff. He's David. He's not Dave. He's not Dave. He's, He's David. David. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, but I just, I love, I love that. Yes. When you hear, when I hear James, generally I know somebody is trying to get their kid's attention because they're using their full, <laughs> full name. name. <laughs> not Jimmy boy. Yeah. yeah exactly. uh, so you're, you're on set in the desert. You're acting opposite yeah. Kenobi. Yes. Did anybody, did you want to give pointers? Did anybody ask for pointers? Absolutely. Uh, Jamie was would ask me stuff, you know, what do you think? What are you doing? And what I, I guess I, what I really was um, fascinated by <laughs> stepping out of myself and looking was how quickly I could respond to answer something. Yeah. And say, would he do this? No, he wouldn't. He would do this, you know, or, or he would respond this way or he would hold his lightsaber that way or this is how. And I thought, wow, I guess I'm, that's weird. I'm an expert <laughs> on Obi-Wan Kenobi. I never thought of that. Yeah. Um, and Jamie was so great about it. And he just, I thought he did great. I think he, I think he really embodied the character. Yeah. And um, it was a very nice, uh, it was soulful, but very light touch. Yeah. You know, like he did not well lean put. into like, hey, hello, I'm going to do the eight things that you like. I mean, right. there was a hello there as there should be. Well, that's, and can I, I can his... tell you a story about that. Oh, please do. There was no hello there in the script. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I said to him, the first thing I said, we were on set, we're down there, uh, the day before we started shooting, doing just like and you're playing an imperial that is having yeah, a conflict with Kenobi, exactly. Right? And I said, "You don't have a hello there in the script." And he goes, "Yeah, well." And I go, "You you have to have a hello there. <laughs> it's it's so you yeah. know it's such a thing now. So when you come down and say you know you don't need to see their identification, <laughs> you have to take off the hood and say hello there. Yeah, and I will in turn say." Hello there. Back. <laughs> so to the fans that really know, both Obi-Wans just said hello there to it. Yeah. So because people would be upset if I didn't say hello there in it, even though I'm not playing Obi-Wan. And it, it works really well just 
it works great if you know if you well, know it as an Easter egg. But I love Easter eggs yeah. that read uh, as having value in and of themselves. And you, you're doing a great job playing an imperial, you know, yeah, a thanks. very arrogant imperial. Yeah. And you hear this folksy hello there, and so of course the imperial's <laughs> like, "Hello there." <laughs> <laughs> the hell all right I'll, yeah it's, I'll, I'll play your little folksy talk it was it was perfect and i was at a screening and people reacted to it <laughs> and then they pulled me aside later and went it was so great you said hello there back to him and i'm like you got it uh so that was really important and then they did have the one line that was in there you know don't i know you from somewhere there were people who were like that's great yeah my character looking <laughs> i wish we had had more uh day we were just losing sunlight is yeah. what happened to get more coverage of like my character's, you know, spoiler alert, my character's demise. Uh, I would have loved a couple other shots of it to really yeah, play that out. From up. the back in the film. Yeah, yeah, we just didn't have time to shoot the front Understandable. and Understandable. But um, it was funny, you know, my hair is longer because I was shooting another thing and uh, I've seen a few people, it's, it's, it's a little distracting to me. My hair gets almost looks like a ponytail in the back <laughs> at one point, but, um, we decided to go, he's kind of a Loki character with the slicked back hair. The yeah. This was like his one thing he wouldn't let go of the backstory on Legus. This character <laughs> is that, uh, no, I will always grow my locks, you know, yeah. and slick them back, you know, but, uh, he was an angry guy that got stationed to go out onto this desert planet and just do like census. Yeah. Yeah. And the trick was. How do I do a British accent without it resembling Obi-Wan in any way, shape, or form? Because you don't want it to be. Yeah. I don't want any of this to bleed in. And so, and you know, I mean, the funny thing is, is, you know, Plo Koon is British and he doesn't sound like Obi-Wan. Lieutenant Beck is British. He doesn't sound like Obi-Wan. Yeah. I've done plenty of other ones. So, but this one, I was like, I, I need to find something up there. So I just was just, I was just kind of doing that, you know, Tarkin-y kind of. Yeah. Thing, like you know the the the, the nephew of Tarkin basically <laughs> I don't know uh, to me it worked because of surprise surprise the acting oh. that you were playing that specific attitude of Imperials that we have come to know of that yeah. sort of like that high and mighty and that very cruel enjoying yeah. toying with. Yeah. People who clearly don't have as much uh, power <laughs> as you do in that moment. Yeah. Uh, how did it feel to to play that? You've you've played lots of characters in Star Wars, but the Imperials are yeah. not great people. Like, no. uh, this is not a source of light, you know? It was so fun. And uh, Tommy <laughs> Snyder and Maxine Phoenix, who played Owen and Beru, and we had some really great moments. Again, a lot of it due to coverage, you don't see all of it, but it's like I was really getting in their faces on okay. those lines and really like just leaning in and, you know, being just like just a jerk to them. Yeah. And after we would shoot the scenes, you know, Tommy's like, you're such a good bad guy. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, it's fun. Because, <laughs> you know, we because I'm also I'm not like method. I'm not going to walk around acting. Like, <laughs> but it was so fun to get into that character so much so that I want Disney to let me go to Galaxy's Edge and play one of the Imperials at Rise of the Resistance one day. Oh, yeah. I would love them to just let me just play and see if anybody, most people aren't going to know who I am. No, probably most people wouldn't, but um, it would be fun to just do that for a day because it's kind of fun. Yeah, to, to just be this sort of officious yes. uptight. Go there. Don't do this. Yes. Stop it. You know, it's just this. 
<laughs> it's the opposite of me in life because I'm so like, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt him. <laughs> yeah, it is very freeing. Um, so let's talk about uh, Rise of the Resistance. I always want to say yeah. Ride of the Resistance because it's a ride. <laughs> it is a ride. Rise of the Resistance uh, just recently opened uh, in Disneyland. It's yeah. been in Disney World for a little while. Right. Uh, I have not been on the, the ride yet myself. Oh, you haven't? Uh, okay. But tell me a little bit about what your role is. So I play Lieutenant Beck, and he is a Mon Calamari. And, uh, yeah, and he is, um, he's, he's not Akbar, but I'm guessing he's, you know, related in some way. <laughs> Akbar adjacent. And so I tried to give a flavor of that. And basically what I did is I did John Hurt, the character John <laughs> Hurt, the actor. And I've done a lot of John Hurt's doubling in the, throughout the years. And oh, stuff. wow. And I, I just love him. I loved him as an actor. I was so sad when he passed away this last, it was a year, year and a half ago now. Um, and I had done so much of his voice for like Hellboy and different films and things. So this was really kind of my homage to him. I got brought in from Disney, I want to say almost three years ago for this project, wow. to do scratch vocals for it. Now, scratch would be something that necessarily won't stay. Yeah. You're a placeholder. You're a temp, you're a temp uh, track. And then they'll fill it in with some famous person, I think, was the intention. And so I really committed to it. I went in and they're like, you know, here's what, here's what he looks like. Here's what he looks like. And I said, what if I did something like this? You know, and he was just, you know, it's not, it's a trap. It's not that. Yeah. But it's up here and it's still in that. And there's this character that would insinuate that. And they got used to it. And that's the hope as an actor yeah. is that you can do that. I've had that happen before. You know, I always tell people, especially people that are into voice acting, don't ever just softball it, you know. Become the character and yeah. just do it. Don't push yourself on it, but just say, this is how I would do I'm just act as though it's a real job. And so eventually they got so used to the scratch track, they went, no, James we'll is back. Keep it. <laughs> and, you know, look, it doesn't hurt that I happen to be somebody that's in the Star Wars universe. Right. I mean, it's a nice little Easter egg for people because most people don't know. I'll go out and put it on Instagram or Twitter mm -hmm. and people are like, oh, I didn't even know that was you. Well, yeah. So um, it's just a fun character because he's he is in your car the whole time. Okay. He's, he, you know, and then he's a really amazing animatronic at the beginning of the ride and at the end of the ride. And um, he's he's. Throughout your whole journey, he's the one taking you on the journey. So that's pretty cool to be kind of immortalized in a ride like that. Yeah. My daughter and I were on it with my wife. The three of us got to go a, a day before it opened. And and my daughter goes, so even after you're gone, I can still come to Disney. And I said, well, isn't that a lovely thought? Uh, it, there is a lot uh, to that. Yeah. How do you – did you approach it? A, a ride differently than narrative because by definition mm -hmm. you know i haven't been on the ride but i'm imagining yeah. lieutenant beck's yelling out instructions exposition reactions i would imagine yeah. and that's very different than i'm sitting down uh pantsless on my couch to watch obi-wan kenobi <laughs> on the clone wars a passive so experience. that's how you do it <laughs> hello there. Uh, hello there. Uh, uh, it's a passive experience right yeah to, to watch movies or television show in a certain up to a point That's but a great, you are yeah. actively in it did you think about like i have to be a little louder a little more intense or anything to sort of like rise to the level of a, of no. a thrill ride I, I guess because of voice acting you're always kind of putting yourself in that position when you're in a booth on a mic is how far away am I? You know, I mean, that's a that's a question I ask all the time, especially in uh, action shows like Clone Wars and stuff. I would be like, how far away is Obi-Wan from Anakin? Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So, so he's 20 feet away. So because you could read it on page and not have any idea. Right. And then so, it would not match up at all. <laughs> right. You know, and, well, in fact, I think there's an outtake uh, 
way back in the archives of Clone Wars stuff where it's like from the movie where I say, Cody, battle stations or battle positions. And uh, we recorded it as me going, Cody, battle positions. And then they finished it. And I'm like as close as we are, You're like, like right in his two face. feet away from each other. So we had to read it, Cody, battle positions, you know, still action. So um, you think about those things just as a voice actor in general uh, differently than an on-camera actor does. But this is kind of a combination of like video game and animation. And I've done a lot of rides. There was a ride at Disney called Rocket Rods. I don't know if you ever I've remember. I've never this. been on Rocket Rods. It doesn't exist anymore. Okay. And it was back in the Michael Eisner days. And I was the voice on that ride. And I was your voice throughout the whole thing. And then I was a bunch of voices in various things at California Adventure when it first opened. Okay. It's in fact how I got my SAG card. So uh, I've, I'm used to the rhythms of that. And once I'm in that studio, that particular studio at Imagineering, I guess I get into that headspace because I just, I could picture the ride in my head. I yeah. could picture him, what he's saying and doing. So it was, it was different, but it wasn't different than what I'm used to doing okay. for them in that particular space, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Uh, so you've talked about voice doubling. Um, mm -hmm. So for somebody like John Hurt. Yeah, that happens basically when they didn't get a line live, and John Hurt is not, uh, yeah. you know, when he was live, was not available to redo it. Is that where voice doubling comes in? Because I don't feel like people are super aware of that yeah, in the general world. Well, and it should be kind of a little Hollywood secret. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of times, if they change a line of dialogue uh, last minute and say the actor is just not available, they're, you know, like with Johnny Depp. I've been doubling Johnny Depp for probably about twelve years now. Or wow. More. And a lot of times, because he's just a busy actor, he'd be, when they were doing Willy Wonka, I was doubling for him because he was doing Pirates, you know, the second <laughs> and third Pirates movies consecutively in the Caribbean. Yeah. And there's this kind of famous story now of that he asked for my cell phone number and my home number so he could call me in case he heard something and wanted to just say, do it more like this or do it more like that. Oh, wow. You know, and he never, he never called, much to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so some actors are very aware of it. Some actors aren't. They're just, you know, I've been doing David Spade's doubling for, I, I mean, 20 years. Uh, wow. Where if he's not available, I come in and do his lines. Billy Bob Thornton, um, obviously Ewan McGregor, Jay Baruchel, Christopher Mintz Class A, uh, John Hurt certainly was one. I mean, I've been Dick Van Dyke's double. I've, I've doubled wow. so many different people. Andrew Garfield for the Spider-Man movies. Um, is it usually one line or is it sometimes just like, uh, sandwich like you just have to say one word is Andrew Garfield <laughs> usually you record the whole line okay um, and then they can kind of Frankenstein it in uh, hopefully it fits in yeah. so you can and the way technology is now too they can really do that you can cut it in you know and I'm a sound editor as well and you you find you can find ways of just cutting and because I'm a sound editor I know that and when I go in to do it I think it's why a lot of times they like me because I I can watch it from a sound editor's perspective. And right. Go, and know, hey, I can't me, take a breath right there. It'll be yeah. harder to piece it together. Or exactly. Or I know, need to know that a soft sound came first and all those kind of things. Exactly right. But a lot of a lot of it is um, doubling for video games and stuff too. But trailers, usually it's is how it all starts is with a, a movie trailer. They want to tell the story of, you know how movie trailers now pretty much tell you the whole movie? Yes, it annoys. Which, oh, man, I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. What they'll do is they'll go, because you got basically these little frustrated filmmakers that are making these trailers. <laughs> they'll go, well, we need that. The character says, get to the ship. Uh, it's, it's over there or whatever the line is. 
but he says it in three different scenes. And so we have to cut it and get to the ship. It's over there, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't work. So they'll bring in somebody like me to say the line and then they'll cut to the person at the end of the dialogue. So the last word they say, it's over there is on camera in their lips. In, in yeah. their lips. So we will smooth out rough patches or if there's bad sound yeah. on the day of recording. Uh, with Alice in Wonderland, for example, which I, you have a, a episode about uh, on your show. Yeah. Um, the last one, uh, the last Alice in Wonderland movie, I did a lot of Johnny's doubling in that because they were on green screen sets where it was plywood. <laughs> and There's he's like walking on plywood. Creaking, right? <laughs> While he's saying lines and, you know, the way Johnny Depp talks is very down in here and it's just, you know, it's just... so. You just couldn't understand what he was saying. Yeah. So they'd go, talk like Johnny, but louder and clearer. <laughs> Johnny John. Depp, but louder and clearer yeah. is a hell of a So direction. I would have to, you know, bring. And, and then he's doing that voice. Oh, Alice is doing this, you know. And then sometimes he'd go down here. It was a, a weird <laughs> character. So but with John Hurt, yeah, a lot of it was like Hellboy and stuff. And then the cartoons of Hellboy. Okay. And, uh, so I would fill in. And so you, usually it'd be in the middle of a sentence or something. Wow. Yeah. So uh, going back to Star Wars. Yep. Is there any kind of character that you haven't played that you would still like to play? Mm. Man, because of Clone Wars and the way it works for voice actors is when you're doing a series like that, they'll give you a bunch of incidental characters in, a, in an episode. Basically, we, our contract allows us to do three voices per show. Okay. So, you know, with an episode like The Citadel or something where I'm doing Obi-Wan, Plo Koon, and O.C. Sobek. And sometimes talking to each other, <laughs> you know, you get to do that. But a lot of times it's just Obi-Wan is in the episode. That, so they'll go, well, we got this guard over here and that Mandalorian over there. And then, so James, do those voices. So I've kind of played. you played them all. Everything. And there's this section in my, I have a stage show that I do that I've taken all over the world called Talking to Myself, where I talk about my life as a voice actor. And in the middle of it, where I kind of get a chance to drink water and take a break, uh, it used to be so I could get into a straight jacket, which is a whole other part of this thing. Um, <laughs> I play a, a two-minute clip of all the characters I've got to play on Clone Wars. And I watch that and I go, man, I don't really know if there's anything left that I could play. And then I've been in all five of the latest Star Wars films yeah, and, and provided voices there. Uh, so I've really played – I've played good guys, bad guys, aliens – incidental characters you troopers know, bounty hunters yeah or random townspeople the last jedi i was the little guy on the table at the in the casino place your bets place your bets oh, you know really? that little guy oh, yeah runs and jumps off the table when the explosions happen and stuff yeah yeah uh and in uh rise of skywalker i was i was various troopers and things so i don't know if there's anything i haven't played yet maybe uh obi-wan's father <laughs> be interesting that is, I mean, my whole campaign is to get into this kenobi uh thing okay. I, would, I i think it would be wonderful of disney and i know they listen to your show <laughs> to put me in as a cameo oh yeah with uh in some way not just voice i would love to be on camera doing it yeah it'd just be fun even if i was in makeup i would yeah. love to do that so. are you wanting to do uh more on camera work since you, you it, was, it was great to see you on camera in Thank that you. kenobi fan film yeah i think i would um only because you know, I'm an old guy now, and uh, it just would be fun. I love voice acting. It's always going to be my passion and, and my love, but I really enjoy it, uh, and I would love to do it. The problem is Hollywood does not – like, you can go to IMDb, and I have hundreds of credits on IMDb, and in, 
what happens, in fact, is they go, and my friend Yuri Lowenthal and I were talking about this. Hollywood looks and goes, he's been in so many things. Why have I never heard of him? He can't be that good. <laughs> so they won't hire yeah. me on my merits of being in, you know, five of the biggest blockbusters of all time and all of that. <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, they just go, no. So I would have to start over. I would have to be like, you know, driving in my car with different costumes in my car and headshots. And you'd have to do the whole, the whole thing. actor's life that I don't think at this point in my life I'm. I'm ready to do again. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. But, you know, if uh, somebody wants to put me in something, and yeah, <laughs> then it's great. All right. Well, uh, filmmakers who are listening, yes. Yes. There, you, there you go. I'm at your disposal. If someone got the assignment to voice you, some other actor had to voice James Arnold Taylor for some reason, <laughs> what direction would you give them to play you? That's, that's a great question because... I ask my wife, I go, do you know what my voice, my real voice is? She goes, no, I have no idea. <laughs> um, because it changes. Like I'm talking to you now and this is pretty much James's voice. But if I'm talking about other things lighter, my voice goes up here. And if I'm getting really serious, I might talk to you right here. And uh, the joke in the voiceover world is when somebody does my voice, they always end up doing this thing. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, because that sounds exactly like me. Uh, so they Dana Carvey you. They do Dana Carvey me. Uh, great comeback, uh, callback. Uh, I have yet to hear somebody actually do my voice. Here's the weird thing. Um, there was a video game that came out, uh, a DC video game came out a year and a half ago where Captain Cold was played by C. Thomas Howell. Okay. And everybody thought it was me. And I listened to the track and I went, like for a second I went, did I voice did I, this? Did I forget that? Oh my gosh, he <laughs> sounds exactly like me. The closest person I've ever heard to actually sounding like me is C. Thomas Howell. Wow. And yet the funny thing is I've never voice doubled for him or anything. But in that particular character of Captain Cold in that particular video game, we sound exactly alike at places. That's insane. And the only other person that is close is Christopher Mintz Plasse. And I do a lot of Chris's stuff for How to Train Your Dragon and Trolls and uh, stuff. And Justin Timberlake. I do his – Justin Timberlake is basically just like a cooler version of me. <laughs> just much, much cooler and has, you know. But Christopher Mintz Plasse has got – you know, he's got this, this kind of voice. And there are places in his voice where my wife will go, oh, I thought that was you. Yeah. You know, but, um, and that's my meter. Is it? So, I mean, obviously there's a ton to it. There's the, the timber and the inflection and that, but for you, yeah. how much is it, it like if somebody is going to impersonate you, they have to know you so that yeah. truth comes out. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Like I, for most of my career, I've been cast as the hero and I think this is not a, you know, pat myself on the back. There is an, uh, I want to, I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. I, I want to do the right thing. I want to be a, a good person. And I think it kind of comes out in my voice a lot and it comes out in my character. It comes out in my, my tone and my meter. Yeah. And you would have to cap capture that. I think, um, because sometimes I'll talk really fast and then other times I'll slow down. To, and so, yeah, it would be weird. I would have a hard time voice matching me. Yeah. <laughs> An interesting challenge. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. Oh, yeah. Uh, so these are questions I ask all my guests uh, or variations of them. Do you think about voicing Star Wars every day, even if you don't have a recording session? I guess I would have to say yes. Yeah. 
just because it's come, become a part of, uh, as your your daughter put it, your legend, your yeah, legacy. <laughs> yeah, it is a part of everything. Um, there are always people asking me, you know, I mean, whether it's just, can you say hello there or what about this new character or that? Or what about Clone Wars? So, yeah, there's always something. Okay. Awesome. Uh, when people walk into your home, <laughs> is there visual evidence that you are a voice actor? Um. Yes, but not – so I've never been one for like having, you know, the posters up and stuff. I had an office space where I had all the stuff. Um, there was a shelf we had. We have a Pac-Man machine. Oh, wow. There was a, and it's got like 28 games on a Frogger and Defender okay. and all those games, you know. There was a shelf next to it that had all my Obi-Wan uh, and Clone Wars sculptures on it at one point just because – I had moved out of my office and I needed a place to put them. I didn't want yeah. to put them back in those boxes because those like <laughs> it's so complicated. Oh, they really are. <laughs> um, now they're in my studio. If you walk into my house and turn right, you'll look and see my studio, which is very clearly. Most people think I'm a magician, uh, magician, a musician. If they okay. don't, if they don't know me, because I think most people don't think of voice acting. But um, they go, he's a musician that really likes Star Wars. Because <laughs> there's like a stand-up Obi-Wan Kenobi in my office. A cardboard standee? He's yeah, actually, no. He oh, was, a statue. Uh, it was, no, it's not a statue either. It is a, um, it's like an MDF. It's like a wood one that was used what? at Disney's Star Wars Weekends. And when they ended it, in fact, it's how I knew Star Wars Weekends was over. I received this gigantic package in the mail <laughs> on a pallet. And it was that cut out of Obi-Wan. If you look on any of my social media or my okay. YouTube channel where I'm in my studio, you can see him there and he's got a lightsaber and I, I rigged it for a real lightsaber to be Oh, there wow. I love that. It's just like the most elaborate sort of a Dear John letter ever. <laughs> yeah. Here's a giant Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. And I went, well, I guess they're done with that event. But, yeah. Would you ever get a tattoo inspired by any of your voice acting characters? I would not just because I would never get a tattoo. I'm yeah. just not a tattoo guy. Um, I appreciate tattoos and um i've the weird part is that people have had me sign their body my signature and they've had it tattooed tattooed wow uh, not star wars fans but final fantasy fans because okay. i was in this game final fantasy 10 i played the main character titus some people pronounce it titus um and those i've i've several uh tattoos that i've done wow. for people which is always kind of strange yeah to to think wow you're gonna carry around my signature forever yeah better get this right <laughs> yeah i don't want to mess it up but no i'm just not a tattoo person is it um, the permanence i guess yeah i also um because i'm you know i got sick with toxic mold at one point in my life right. and i lost my voice and i'm all about kind of healthy living and eating and stuff and um, I know there's healthier ways of doing that, but it's just a toxin under my skin, I guess is how yeah. I look at it. So <laughs> I wouldn't be comfortable with it. I understand. I, I will I, say this, uh, uh, Steve Bloom, who's a very talented voice actor. And of course he was in Rebels and such and Cowboy Bebop is what made him famous. Uh, he has a tattoo on his wrist of a audio waveform. Oh, and wow. it is of the last word he said as his character from Cowboy Bebop. Wow. And I thought, that's special. That means something. Yeah. If I ever did something, I could see that. It would be a waveform like that. I a thought that's form. pretty cool. But Steve's done it, so there's no need for me to. <laughs> He's got it taken care of. Uh, if you were trapped in an elevator with a couple other people, how long would it take before voicing Star Wars came up in conversation? <laughs> oh, man. I do notice um, – my wife and daughter probably notice it more than me, but I bring it up a lot only in that I can be in a unique situation like that where levity is required and I know that 
it's really going to make their day to find out that they met somebody, you know, because I'm a celebrity that isn't a celebrity. Yeah. I'm, I'm a non-famous celebrity. <laughs> and it's really a fun kind of fun fact for people, Easter egg for people. Yeah. And so, yeah, I could see myself saying, I have a bad feeling about this, you know, and then, <laughs> oh, you sound just like him. Well, as a matter of fact, um, yeah, like when I was on Rise of the Resistance, uh, we went on the ride and we were getting off the ride and I, I couldn't, I couldn't contain myself. I said to the people next to me, I said, did you enjoy Lieutenant Beck? And they went, what? oh my gosh, you know, and, and it's just You're the fun. fish man. Yeah, <laughs> I am the fish man. It's a fun thing for voice actors. It's not so much about bragging, but it's just most people have no idea that they're encountering somebody that's a huge part of usually their childhood. That's yeah. what I get all the time, you know. And so it's a fun thing. And I, I enjoy bringing that joy to people. I right. just think it's fun. Right. So if you're trapped in an elevator having to pass it the time, would not like, take long. anybody in here like Star Wars? Like, yeah. Well, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Would you ever go to a convention just dressed as a large microphone? <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty great. Um, it would de- well, it would depend on the comfortable comfortability <laughs> of the microphone, but uh, yeah, that's pretty great. I like that. Okay. Yeah, nice. I never thought of it until yeah. now, but sure, why not? Yeah, because I was gonna ask you. Would you I think James would go dressed as Obi Wan Kenobi, so I got to ask something more interesting. Yeah, because I've done that. Yeah. Because Disney made me a whole Obi Wan outfit. That's so great. It's actually in Steve Sansweet's Rancho Obi Wan now. Oh, really? On display. Oh, I gotta go. But there. it is a uh, yeah, it's a wonderful place, and for anybody that is a fan of Star Wars, they should uh, go there and they should contribute to it and, and and help it because it's a beautiful place for fans of Star Wars. And yeah. he he's always seemed uh, I've never met him seem like an amazing. Guy really is a genuine like yeah. I want to own all this stuff so I might as well make a museum yeah it's for those that don't know it's the largest collection personal collection of Star Wars memorabilia on the planet yeah and it is a sight to see my fondest memories are Seth Green and I going through there you know just looking at old little action figures and stuff yeah. and just telling story telling each other stories of when we were kids oh, when you had those, those yeah. toys oh that's so great uh, if you could would you ever want to meet Obi-Wan Kenobi imagining he was real. Oh, yes. Without a doubt. I, I can't even, like, for a second hesitate on that. Absolutely. Yeah. What would you try to ask him about? Or would you just want to be around him and see his vibe? What would I want to ask Obi-Wan? I, I guess I would, I would want to ask him uh, what made him such a true believer. Yeah. Oh, that's great. What was it in his life? that did that because yeah. he is as, as you described him before and and uh i've said on many occasions he is the real deal he i mean even i don't even know if yoda is as much of a true believer jedi as obi-wan is yeah because he kind of can't be because he's in charge you yeah know what I mean? yeah he's more of the the big picture yeah so i think that's what i would want to know it's like when did it all really click yeah what's the story there that's a good one that's a deep one yeah. um if aliens were visiting Earth and you got to greet them, would you show them an episode of Clone Wars to explain human society to them? Oh, wow. And if so, which one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Some different lessons to be taken yeah, from different episodes. The, oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they were up for it, sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. What do you think humans uh, or aliens would get out of humanity by saying, like, okay, here's a piece of the entertainment that we make. Mm-hmm. Here's, you know, some of the characters, some of the morality. Hopefully they would take that humanity at its core has a heart. Yeah. 
and that because I believe that I, I I'm a big believer of humanity even in this world that we're in right now and social media being what it is and the world being what it is politically charged I believe that you know you and I both are lovers of humanity yeah and I I think that that would be the biggest uh, thing to get across to them yeah to just show them a very uh, loving celebratory episode of yeah Clone Wars. yeah You're like. This is humanity, but with lightsabers. <laughs> uh, if you were about to go into a recording studio yeah. to, to do a role that you've been wanting to do for an extremely long time, very excited, but a bear was blocking your path, <laughs> would you try to dart around the bear? Ooh. See, as an actor, I'm, I'm getting myself into that. And as a voice actor, <laughs> because voice actors, we invent, like once you start to tell a story visually, I picture it in my head. Right. Perhaps more so than on-camera actors, because on-camera actors are just put into the sets and you have to uh, really imagine i'm it. really imagining that um gosh it would <laughs> i probably would try to distract the bear okay and I, I guess i don't know if i would try to get around him as much as i would try to get him away and distract him so i could then slip through yeah i okay. guess that's distracting but yeah would yeah you, i think i would would you try to use your your voice uh talents to yeah, direct the bear over I there think in I probably some way would yeah i probably would <laughs> have you had to do a lot of screams in your career because i know there's some oh. voice actors like you know i'm friends with james urbaniak and he always yeah. likes to say like every season of venture brothers Every scream in every scene is fresh. They always make me scream. Yeah. Have you had to be a screamer? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so uh, this TV show I did, Johnny Test, uh, where I play 11-year-old Johnny. Every episode, I'm talking like this. You know, so this is Johnny's voice. And every line is, you know, it is just shouting, shouting, yeah. shouting. It's exhausting to do those sessions, but fun. Um, yeah, I, I have done a lot of screaming in my day. And I have found the key is it's not so much screaming uh, like falling off a building screaming yeah. that makes you hurt your voice. It's screaming dialogue. Actually screaming out words yeah. is the stuff you have to be careful with. Okay. And you have to take it like a singer because you can hurt yourself otherwise. Yeah. The only times I've ever lost my voice are during video games. Uh, there was a video game of Spider-Man where I played Electro. Oh, wow. And every line was scream. And by the end of that session, I had no voice. <laughs> And for about a week, my voice was really wow. Bad just, shape. just hours of screaming, die, yeah. Spider Man, die. Yeah. <laughs> Spider Fool, Spider, Spider Fool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Electro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Spider Fool. Yeah. Um, I ask everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession, uh, which is a funny thing to ask a voice actor. But what kind of <laughs> noise just kind of bubbles out of you when, you when you think about what it means to be uh, a voice actor in general, uh, a voice actor of Star Wars in particular? Hmm. Probably that. Um, <laughs> a very Obi Wan hmm. Kenobi noise. Hmm. Yeah. Um, hmm. I would say it is that <laughs> because it is thought provoking to me. Yeah. All of it is 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 really thought provoking, and I think about every character I do before I do it, um, in a way of like, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Where is my? And I have to. Uh, Interesting because I do picture them in my head and I've always, because I'm old school, a child of the 70s and 80s, I always think of it as an old tape recorder, like a Walkman in, yeah. in, in my throat of this tape recorder. And so I picture the character and then I picture my vocal cords changing. And it, so it is this kind of, hmm, 
It really is. It's, it's not an exciting yeah, noise. No, it's but... great, but it's just a sort of like <laughs> organic transformation. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. awesome. <laughs> uh, so I ask everybody to rate their own obsession as well. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest, 10 okay. being the highest, where would you rate your own obsession with the uh, voices of Star Wars? Oh, uh, 10. 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because even if it's not my voice, it's I'm – who Who did that? Who was that? Oh, oh, oh that's yeah. great. How did they make How that did, choice? What did they, so, yeah. yeah. Um, I just love it. I, I think I think that the neat thing that happened with Star Wars is even though they started as motion pictures that were actual on-camera films, there was so much voiceover in them. Yeah. From Darth Vader to C-3PO to R2-D2 to the Jawas. There's there's so much voice work involved right. in these. Uh, to Ben Burt just creating sounds of creatures and characters and Stormtrooper. All, I mean, think of how many characters are not the voice that was on set. Yeah, or are altered in, yeah. in some way. And they, yeah, the the importance of sound in Star Wars can never be, uh, you know, exaggerated. It's, right. It's so important. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess it would have to be a 10 because yeah. it's, it's, it's really a huge part of all of it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So uh, we've reached the plugging section of ah, the podcast. The old so, plugging uh, section. Tell people where they can find you on social media and all the stuff you got going. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, so it is uh, everywhere. It's pretty much the same. It's Jat actor, J A T actor, which, you know, back when social media started, you have to come up with a thing. You know, when I, I was thinking about it the other day, would I have changed that? No, that's pretty good. I'm an actor. And my, <laughs> I have the longest name in show business. So James Arnold Taylor, J A T actor. That's, uh, that says it all. Nice. Um, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter more than anything. I'm on Instagram a lot, but I don't do like stories and stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm still old school in that. I kind of just, I post a picture and I put a little something on it or I'll put a video out. <laughs> I don't get their stories. These I don't kids need those talkies yeah. and the Instagrams. <laughs> but you can find me there. You can find me on YouTube. You can always go to jamesarnoldtaylor.com or you can go to jatactor.com. It's either nice. one. And I have a podcast now that is called Talking to Myself and all the characters are me. And it's <laughs> kind of me and my crazy little world. And so the engineer of the show is this character, Hank. And I have an intern named Billy who's this young kid. <laughs> and the guy that announces the show is Mr. Announcer Guy. And, and I just, I do all the voices live and in real time. And I just talk back and forth to myself. And then I tell stories about my, my life. And uh, so that's, uh, that's been, I've been having a lot of fun doing that. I would have to say though, before I plug any further myself, yeah. it was really listening to your podcast, listen to the way you podcast. I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke, Joseph. The way you do, when I listen to your podcast and once you come on, you just have a way about you that's very calming. Everything's okay. And that's what I love about podcasts yeah. is it allows people this time to just escape. And so I very much, when I put on your podcast or any of the podcasts you're on, I just, I go, ah, everything's all right. <laughs> you got a, really just a great, and it's not just that it's calming, but it's, it's your demeanor and it's the way you take things apart. So I was very inspired by what you do oh, as a podcaster. You. When I did your show the first time, I, was, I left feeling so good about life. That's <laughs> like awesome. Just, I really did. And, and it's where I went, if I did a podcast, it would have to be something like Joseph does because he leaves people feeling better than they came in as. Oh, that's and awesome. So, so that's what I hope to do with my podcast, and I hope that that's part of it. And that's what I try to hope to do with all my social media and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but thank uh, you. Oh, to thank you. you. For that. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, talking to myself. And then, of course, Clone Wars Season 7 is coming out on oh, boy, Disney+. Yeah. Plus. <laughs> the 21st, I think. Of yeah, February, so yeah. very soon, yeah. very soon. Uh, here's some quick plugs for this show, and then we'll do our, our weird final questions. Yep. 
You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. And you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, here are fun final questions. If you could uh, telepathically command an army of animals, what kind of animal would you choose? <laughs> Wow. Um I like I like meerkats. <laughs> I've never heard meerkats as an yeah, answer. That's great. Because they're just they're fun to watch. And I think that that would be really kind of just goofy and fun to see you what's gonna happen. Like, uh, come on, come on in and hang out, meerkats. Just, <laughs> that would basically be it. I wanna watch you do your stuff. <laughs> yeah. just be meerkats in my presence. <laughs> yeah, I think so. If you could clone yourself, oh. would you? Oh, my. Well, there's a rumor that Obi-Wan is cloned, isn't there? Um, oh, yeah. I, um, uh, no, no. Is that about, uh, well, why? Yeah, is it, is it, uh, I don't know if it has to do with my spirituality or something. Of the, A soul needs to be just a soul. Soul, yeah. Um, and then that soul would have its own story in life, uh, too. But plus, it would probably work more than me, and that would be really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think it just feels wrong. You just raises a lot of existential yeah. questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't ask this uh, question every episode. I try to space it out every sure. three or four episode. I should probably just start a, a "Would You Clone Yourself" podcast because <laughs> yeah. I'm fascinated by people uh, are like yes, or people are like no, why? <laughs> or a lot of people have the what, exactly what you did of like intriguing but my first instinct yeah, is no. there are many moral philosophical existential dread questions yeah. about another me yeah yeah there really are so yeah. no, no. <laughs> so no final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness oh um <laughs> joy i think i because i talk about this a lot on my podcast i say i don't know if you can be happy all the time but you can have joy all the time because joy should come from life itself and seeing the beauty of life and humanity and or going out and looking at a tree. There is beauty all over. So I, I would think happiness is finding joy in your heart constantly and realizing you won't be happy all the time, but you can still be joyful. That's great. Yeah. Do you feel like that's an active choice? Like sometimes yeah. we define happiness as is a goal. And I think yeah. that's sometimes that what a lot of us uh, stumble on of once I get X sure. or Y or this thing happens, Absolutely. that's happiness. But joy, you can just be like, I'm in a bad mood. I'm stuck in traffic. But what around me might be yeah. joyful. Yeah. And and how blessed am I to just be alive and breathing and look at all the stuff that I've got to see, especially in this day and age. Yeah. I mean, we have There's everything at our disposal. So there's so many reasons to be joyful. I mean, doing this podcast, I was, I was happy that I was going to fight LA traffic to come on <laughs> and do this today. Um, and I really was. It, it brings me joy, satisfaction, yeah. being able to have great conversation with people and people that, that just um, exude that joy. I think you have a, a joyfulness about you. Uh, and it comes through even in your social media comments and stuff. And you're very clever in that. Uh, and so I think there's all sorts of ways to find joy, even if it's stuff that you don't agree with. Like when you disagree with something on social media, you do it with humor, you do it with thought. I mean, it is it is very thoughtful. And even if you're putting something, not down, I don't want to say, because I don't really see you ever putting things down, but if you're kind of going, really? <laughs> 
that's great. Yeah. That's how it should be. So I think that it is really, yeah, the, the pursuit of happiness is one thing because I think we look at it like, I have to be happy. I have to be. And then you, you can't be happy, but you can be joyful. You yeah. Can. yeah. 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 I try to be mindful of yeah. how how we criticize things, yeah. you know, because I think there's legitimate ways to critique things. I think there's some necessary things that, you know, yeah, there's it's, some... uh, you know, our responsibility to call out if we absolutely are convinced that they are wrong yeah all those kind of things but but how we go about doing it in pinpointing like yeah if i have a critique of <laughs> a movie or even an idea yeah what's what's the actual source of of the critique i think right. is it's a joyful process for me <laughs> yeah yeah you're considering other people which yeah. you know i mean that's what you wish Everybody would do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you uh, for uh, for spreading some joy. Sure. I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> for fighting through the traffic and yeah. spreading some joy here uh, as yourself and uh, through all the characters that you, sure. you get to be Absolutely. in it's the galaxy. Uh, thank you so much. That is our podcast. All right. Goodbye there. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. I think that my... People ask, what's your favorite line? What's your favorite line is Obi-Wan? And it has to be from, uh, what was it, season three, season two? Uh, Anakin says, I'm going to go over and do this. You go after your girlfriend. And I say, right. No, no, Anakin, she's not my girlfriend. You know, and he's, it embodies all of what Obi-Wan's about. Because at first he's, oh, yes, right. wait, you know, I've just been taken. And, and it's not true, but it kind of is true. There's so much in that line, even though it's just a funny line. Yeah, that's, that's great. great.